I'm holding Faisal's book here. Okay, it's called The Real Deal, a billion dollar real estate broker, right here. And you all can buy this, should you choose. Where can they get it? Uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon. got it on Audible and uh -huh. on, uh, on the e-books as well. On the e-books, good. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to know I've read every single word of this book from start to finish. Now, Faisal was <clears throat> kind enough to send me, put a little note in the front for me, which was very nice. And uh, I'll tell you, um, there's some great stories in here about your life. 9-11 story especially, which we're going to talk about today if you're okay with that. Sure, absolutely. And, um, but in terms of your system, so you sort of create a, you know, Sisawali system, right? A sales system, and I'm not sure it was 10 steps, or I can't remember, yeah, something like that. Yeah, there's about 12 steps. 12 steps. Yes, yes. So what you can do is he's got 12 steps in how he actually built up his business. Now, when we say the number one agent in Canada, you're with Remax, um, that's not... A big team, that's the individual agent, correct? That's correct. I'm on the individual side. Yeah. yeah. So your model, before we get into your history, your, I find your model interesting. So you decided that you didn't want to build out this big team of a whole bunch of agents, right, and you're just doing lead gen all the time and, and that sort of thing. So tell everybody, what does your model look like? So it's, it's very simple. You call for me, you're going to get me. I'm going to list your home. I'm going to show up at your home. Um, the idea behind it is that... I didn't want to have this team that I had to feed and manage. So what I have is a network, very similar to just referring business out to an agent out of town. Right. I refer buyers only right. to anybody that calls on my listing. So I'm basically a lead generator right. for five or six agents that I work with in my local market. Right. So what you do is, how many assistants do you have? Three full-time assistants. So you got three full-time assistants, yeah. but they do nothing in terms of sales. That's right. They're, they're, they're not licensed. Social media, get you prepared for your appointments, that sort of thing. Absolutely. You do all the listing appointments yourself. Yes. And I know it's in the book, but how long does your average listing appointment take? So I'm in and out in about 45 minutes. Okay, 45 minutes. A lot of you are going, are you kidding me? I'm there two and a half hours. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Okay, so he's in and out in 45 minutes. Sometimes you do three a day. Yes. Yeah, that's not uncommon to do yeah. three listing appointments a yeah, day. Uh, six even. Six even a day. Yeah. Six yeah. listing appointments yeah. a day. Yeah. And last year, how many units did you do? 467. So 467 units last year. Now, those units, do they include buyers? No, they don't. So no. that's just my listing ends. Do you hear that? That's yeah. not the buyers he's, you know, giving up. That's just listing ends. Yes. Okay? So you guys hear these numbers, right? Um, the agents that you give these buyer leads to, they don't work for you, your team, they just work for the company. They work for the company. The brokers love that right. because they're getting their full desk fees and whatnot. Yeah. And the agents love it because basically I'm able to help them build their own business. They're right. not limited to, you know, some of the people that are on my network, they have their own billboards, they have their own buses, they have yeah. their own be benches, they do right. their own marketing, they do their own farming. Yeah. And anything that they're producing is going directly to them. Right. I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And they're just taking, I'm a lead generator, just like you would buy leads. Yeah. I'm referring buyers to them to run with. And if it works out, we split the uh, commission. And you put them on a 50-50, right? It depends on what we're doing, but yeah. for the most part, it's 50-50. Yeah. A lot of the rental leads, I'll give them 75. Yeah. Just because that's a lot of extra yeah. work, but it keeps the bez that business generating. Yeah, makes sense. And a lot of people are afraid <laughs> to give buyer leads away because they want to keep them all in their database. How do you feel about that? I encourage the buyers, agents, to keep them on their database 
and I have them on mine as well. Right. Because the connection point is them. They've never met me. Those buyers right. have never met me. So all of a sudden, if I'm starting to have contact with them and they don't hear from that buyer's agent ever again, right. they're thinking, why was I abandoned? Right. So what, by doing so, if that buyer calls their agent again and they want to list their home or something, we have a contract. Right. I'm still listing the home. Right. And then they'll get all the leads on the buying end again. Right. So it just continues to work. It feels like you, you play from a position of abundance rather than scarcity. Absolutely. Because I feel everybody's trying to hold on to everything so much. Yeah. You're saying, hey, put them on your database. Put them on my database. Yeah, yes. if they list, the listing comes to me. Absolutely. Buyer still comes to you. Okay, so you were born in England. Yes. Right? And you were how old when you ended up here? Uh, so I was three years old. Three years old? Yeah. And you moved to Cambridge? Yes. So my father worked in the textiles in, in England, oh. and uh, Cambridge, Ontario is where we came to because Cambridge was a big textiles town. Right. And my father was a weaver by trade, and that was his occupation, and that brought him to Cambridge, and I grew up there, and I never left. Isn't that amazing? Eh? Yeah. It's Good for great. you. Yeah. And of course, everybody in Cambridge knows you. Well, almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get into real estate... You're, while you're still in high school, yes, right, yeah, that must have went over went over really well with your parents. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, East Indian parents, you know, I was supposed to be a doctor, or a lawyer, or an engineer. Yeah, right? those are my three options. And of course, uh, I was watching late night television one night, saw an infomercial on 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 the infamous Tom Vu, yeah. and he's sitting on the yacht with all these beautiful women. I'm like, I want to be this guy, <laughs> and um, off I went to. Uh, Conestoga College and thought, I'm going to learn about investing in real estate. Right. I had no idea that I was going to get licensed. Right. I was just trying to learn about investing in real estate because I had saved. I was always entrepreneurial. Yeah. I wanted to learn about that. And uh, I thought, hell, I got my license. Maybe I'll do this part time and back to high school with my license, right. borrowing my mom's car when I needed it. And that's what I've done that for the last 34 years. Amazing. Eh? Yeah. Now, your first, <clears throat> when you first get into real estate, being of that age, did you have any success? You know, I'll tell you, it was interesting. So I, I had to deepen my voice. I had a mustache and, you know, I tried to look a lot older than I yeah. was. Uh, I, I was very fortunate. I, I came across uh, a couple of investors that were looking, they were from South Africa. Right. They were looking to invest some money and I'm at a dinner party and I'm like, oh, I'm a realtor. Gave them my card. Never expected that they would call me again. Yeah. And on the Monday they called and of course after school I met them. Uh, and my broker, Reed Maneri, he was yeah. he was a wonderful man. He was my mentor, and um, you know he took me under his wing, and he sort of taught me. And we ended up in the first two months that I was in the business. This is back in 1988. My sales were two million dollars in the first two months. I'm wow. still in high school, so it was a great start. Yeah, uh, that's so. When you finish high school, obviously in your book, it's in here. You didn't go to college after because you get into real estate. How did your parents take that? Like, oh. were they okay with it? Or? No, absolutely not. No. I was like, okay, well, we're going to... It took my mother's uncle, who was a professor at Brock, right. to come over, and he came to talk me out of going to real estate. And then when he heard how much money I had made in the first four months, he said, this kid's making more money than I am, and I'm a professor. Right. So let him do what he's doing, and if it doesn't work out, then he could go to university. Yeah. So that was sort of the... and. Of course, I never looked back. Of course, now there were some hard times because yeah. we, you know, in 1990, there was yeah. a recession and it's like, okay, I better like do something different here. But I, I persevered and I continued doing what I was doing and I was, yeah. I was modeling 
a lot of excellent agents, right. but I was doing consistently. Right. And that was what really helped me. So it was really, I didn't invent anything. I just watched all the successful people, what they were doing. Yeah. And at an early age, I learned that I can be a copycat. Right. But just do it better and do it often. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, I remember you mentioned that, and I thought it was a really good point. You said the challenge you see is most people, they just don't take enough action, right? Exactly. They don't stay in the game. Okay, so your real estate, we, had, we could sit here and talk all day about your journey because it's all in the book, everybody, an amazing journey. But one story that I do want to touch on, and I didn't realize this until I read <coughs> the book, is your 9-11 story. Yeah. Okay, so tell everybody about that because that was crazy, man. So my son, uh, my son was going to be born. Uh, we were pregnant, and um, it was September of uh, 2001. Yeah. Uh, we were in... New York, because my brother had bought my wife and I uh, a trip to go shopping for our baby that was going to be born in January. Right. And we were there, and we were having a great time. We were shopping and whatnot, and we were um, out one evening watching, you know, just stargazing and, you know, watching what's going on in the nightlife. And my brother had booked us at the Marriott at the World Trade Center. Right. And what happened the next morning was there was going to be a tour of the World Trade Center, and we had breakfast booked at the 104th floor right. of the Trade Center. And I'm notorious. I never have an appointment before 11 a.m. Yeah. I like to sleep in. And I convinced my wife, who normally is an early riser, to say, listen, Natalie, let's just sleep in tomorrow morning, and yeah. we'll, uh, we'll go for lunch. Of course, that's the morning that the planes hit. And I'll tell you, it just sort of gives me goosebumps even now. And, you know, I, I think that that was, a, that was a turning point in my life. Yeah. It's like, why was I saved? Like what? And, and yeah. it changed the trajectory of my life. My, my mindset became more heart set. Yeah. I started thinking about things very differently. Um, and I mean, it's a, it's a long, long story. And I write a little bit about it in the book. Yeah. But it is something that um, had a, a profound impact on mm. every aspect of my life and what I do. And it's like there has to be a bigger purpose uh, for me. And, uh, you know, I, and I think, you know, my son was to be born for a bigger purpose. And, and I hope that he does great things. Yeah. yeah and I, when I read the story, it was like I was my, I'm, I'm just saying, not only did you, you know, and by the way, most people that sleep in, it's not a good thing. It worked out for you. you it worked out I mean? for me. Yeah. And, uh, and to be there right there when it's going on, seeing what's going on because you're right in the same area. It was surreal. Absolutely surreal. Yeah. We, we heard the bang. Yeah. We heard the bang. And what had happened was because my brother was, we stayed the first night at the Marriott. Right. And then we checked out because it was $400 a night. And like, he's paying a lot of money. So we checked out, but we kept our reservation for breakfast, wow. which we changed the night of yeah. to say, no, we'll have lunch instead. And of course, lunch never happened. Wow. Yeah. That's just incredible. incredible. Yeah. Okay. So I want to get into some more real estate specific or tactical stuff that'll help these people. So as I said, I've gone through the whole book. We, by the way, if you want to hear more from Faisal, I interviewed Faisal on my podcast. Um, I don't know, probably a year ago, I yeah, guess, yeah. or whatever it was. So you know, I just go to the Richard Robbins show, and uh, I got an idea that I haven't talked to Faisal about, but we'll probably do it again soon. But that's another story. Um, one thing that I, when I was reading through your book, I was, I was thinking about your, the way you go on listing presentations, right, and how you show them your value and how you separate yourself from everybody else. So I think a lot of people here could benefit uh, from your listing process. Okay, so obviously you can take us through, your assistant gets ready, right, for you, and then can you take them through with everything you do when you show up at the house and, sure. and what the process looks like? Absolutely. So um, Jennifer and Alicia 
they will prepare my listing presentation, which is comparables, listed, sold, whatever it is on, on the, in, in that yeah. area. And typically, I've, I haven't even seen the comps until I'm sitting down. Right. And Chantal will bring my comps to me at the next house. Right. So when I show up, I haven't actually really even done the research, but I have familiarity in that marketplace that I know what I'm yeah. expecting to show here. When I walk in, I right away greet the, greet the folks, and I ask them to take me for a tour of their home. Right. So what I'm doing during that tour is I'm learning their behavior, I'm learning their expectations, I'm learning what, you know, what things they're pointing out and just trying to figure out what, where are we going to be able to relate to each other. Right. So I, I'm, I'm learning and feeding off of their energy at that point. Right. When we sit down, it's a conversation. I hardly even show the comps to them. Mm-hmm. I open it up, I show them, oh, here's a couple of homes on your street, this, that. And I said, I've highlighted, and my staff highlights everything for yeah. me before I get there. I said, here's the square footage, the listing prices. But we're just having a conversation. The most important part of my presentation is the journey right. of when they get the offer. Right. And how that's going to play out and how I'm going to negotiate, how I'm going to market their home. Right. And that's what really closes them right. without me actually having to close them. Right. And one of the principles I talk about in my strategy is that never be closing. Right. I literally start packing up and start leaving their home and they're saying, like, where are you going? We want to list with you. So I've never said, well, all right, are we ready to do this? Now, I have an electronic version yeah. that's uploaded already on DocuSign and I have a hard copy. Right. And often I've been in the driveway and they've called and said, oh, we're ready to list. When can you come back? And we just emailed in the DocuSign. Yeah. So there's, there's a system there, but it's a conversation and it's leading them through the journey of the sale right. that is so important. Then showing them this fancy presentation, PowerPoint, this and that, because you just, they just, eyes just glaze over right. and they're not listening to that. And I don't wait till the end to talk about commission. Right. I tell them right up front. Right. In my conversation, I deal with all the objections that they may have yeah. or all the concerns that they may have in my conversation. Right. And rarely, if ever, does somebody call me out on that and say, well, what about yeah. your commission or why are you charging? Because once I've led them through the journey of success and how well I'm going to do and how well I'm going to negotiate yeah. and how well I'm going to market their home, where I'm going to spend my money right. to target the audience for their home, yeah. it's extremely rare for them to even have any questions at the end other than them for, the, for them to say, all right, let's do this. Yeah. So take us through the process, okay? So let's get down sort of the nitty-gritty. So, you know, you sit down at the table, and what do you say? You take, you know, look at pricing a little bit. What do you say about marketing? How do you separate yourself from a marketing standpoint? So I'm in a zone, uh, Cambridge, Ontario, where we are about 35 minutes uh, west of Milton. Right. So our catch is Milton, Mississauga, Brampton, Oakville, Burlington. Right. So I'm a member of the other boards right. as well. Right there, that one item, telling them that I'm going to market their home in an area where we are going to get bidders. Mm -hmm. That's what we need because our market didn't have that for many, many years. So I'm going to sell your home to people who are accustomed to bidding to buy. The conversation I'm having with people outside of the market Mm -hmm. is, oh, you're asking $9.99 for this home. How much more do I need to pay to buy this home? Mm -hmm. The local buyer is saying, how much can I get it for? Right. So when, when I'm taking them through that process of how that sale is going to work, yeah. they're not even caught up in you know commissions and fees and, and, and the price of their home. They're saying, okay, how can you get us that kind of, and that level of success? By showing them where I'm going to advertise. Then I show them my marketing, yeah. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, 
these are these are the the the, the value marketing pieces that I want to show them and I show them that I'm spending money. I'm doing pay-per-click ads mm -hmm. on Google. I'm showing them an ad that I run in Milton that says drive 35 minutes, save $350,000. Yeah. When they click on that, they're going to get a picture of your home, the price of your home. So I'm showing them exactly how I'm going to get that audience. Then I show them the stats that, okay, we live in an area where there's a large population of South Asians. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make sure that your home shows up in Brampton, in Milton, in Mississauga, in certain sections, sectors of the market where there's a population of South Asians. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to now match that population to your home. And we're using social media to yeah. make sure we target that audience. Mm -hmm. Okay, brilliant. So, and that's, that comes down to that point you have in there, buyers not, or bidders not buyers, that's right? right? Yes. So one of your teachings is don't try to find buyers, try to find bidders. Yes. Now, you're promoting you're gonna get bidders, but what happens if you don't? Or do you all the time? I, I typically do. I typically do because the strategy that I have in order for it to work, I need to price it accordingly to create that. Right. The other thing that I show my sellers is that I'm going to have a, a, a very big audience mm -hmm. of realtors that I'm cooperating with. Right. So we don't ha I don't put in my listings that if you're a co-op broker coming from out of town, I'm going to take 50% of your commission. You see this in agents' remarks. It's awful. So I'm actually showing them that I'm not doing this. In fact, I'm telling the buyer's agent outside of town that if you're wanting to come into Cambridge, for example, send your buyer. We'll get one of our buyer's agents to show it to them because mm -hmm. they're there anyways. We'll still pay your full commission. Now their only job is to get me the highest possible price for that home. And I'm sharing all these stories with my seller. Right. So it's, it's all about that conversation leading them through the journey yeah. of success for the sale. Beautiful. Okay, so... Um, do you have questions? If you have questions, uh, put them in the uh, the portal. Okay, not not in the um, not up here in the chat because remember we've got three you know three things going on here. We've got a twelve but twelve hundred fifty people with us here on three screens, so you can put them in. So first question is, uh, how do you select the agents that you choose to work with in your market? So I'm very mindful of the different types of buyers that we're going to have. Yeah. So I've got a couple of guys that are great because we have a lot of ethnic buyers mm -hmm. that feel more comfortable due to religious values or whatever dealing with a man. Right. So we've got that. Then I've got a lot of first time home buyers that are calling on my ads. So I want someone young and sort of vibrant and mm -hmm. you know bubbly to work with yeah. them. And then we've got people that are downsizing that, and so I've got someone that's a little bit more mature yeah. that can really relate to them and someone very you know, systematic and business-like. Right. So I've got a, a vast sort of range of personalities that right. I can mirror to, to have those buyers connected with. And right. I personally refer the buyer mm -hmm. to that buyer's agent. Right. It's not just, well, next next on the log so i'm i'm selecting right. who i'm sending and where i'm saying because the first call typically comes to me because yeah. they're calling on my listing right so i'm still talking to that buyer on my listing yeah. before i refer it out now what about one of your because this is an issue like we all know the natural evolution of building up a team is you start with an admin assistant right yes. and then of course the next thing you want to get rid of buyers right yes. because buyers take up so much time nights weekends and we can go on and on about that and you want to control the inventory like you do which is brilliant well, what about one of your past clients that goes, oh, no, Faisal, I don't want to work with anybody but you yeah, yeah. to buy a house? Absolutely. I work with them. Yeah, you work with I them? I will work with them. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And uh, now I will tell them that, look, I may not always be there, mm -hmm. so I will have somebody open the door for you, 
But when it comes time to making that offer and yeah. negotiating that deal, 100%, my attention will be yours. Yeah. So in yeah. other words, I don't have to drive you around. I don't have to take you through exactly. house, right? Come yeah. on. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. A lot exactly. Of sense. Okay. Uh, how many buyers agents do you have? So currently I have five. Five? Yeah. Can you recommend someone for Google Ads? Is there anybody you use for Google Ads? So we're doing it directly, th like through Google. Through, yeah, so, so Facebook, Instagram, Google, we're doing all of that directly. Yeah, yeah. okay. Okay, so I, I want to, there's a couple, I, I just wanted to look down here. Uh, what is your system for showings in open houses with so many ends? Oh yeah. So, what is your system for showings and open houses with so many ends? So, obviously, would, do you do open houses? So, absolutely no. No. No open houses. Yeah. Yeah. I want appointment only. That way, I can get, I can do the follow up, I can get the feedback, have a better interaction with the agents. I know what's going on. Yeah. And as far as the showings, it's literally I'm passing it off to one yeah. of the five agents that I have. Yeah. So, if somebody own. wants to see your listing, you pass it off to. I will pass it off to one of the agents. And if no one's available. I'll go show my listing. Yeah. So I'm typically working Monday to Thursday physically. Right. I'm on seven days a week. Yeah. But those are the four days that I'm available to do anything that's required right. of me. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm typically away. Yeah. You go up to the cottage, right? To the cottage, yeah. Now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so you don't go in till late. You're more of... 11, 11 till 7 is usually my day. That's your day. Yeah. So you work 11 to 7, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yes. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're available on the phone. On the phone, whatever has to be done. Do you have assistants working on the weekends? Uh, so they're always on call. Right. Uh, but they're not physically there Saturday and Sunday. But they're always on call, and they're wonderful. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Um, how do you communicate? Uh, oh, how do you communicate with sellers today with the market changing? Yeah, this is a really good question actually yeah. because you're very experienced. So, you know, we're going through. I call it normalizing, right? We're, we're got things sort of normalizing a little bit. So, what are you saying to your sellers today? I'm giving them a weekly update. Yeah. And I'm I'm attaching headlines, yeah. and I'm telling them not to worry in yeah. some of those headlines. Look. Uh, RBC came out the other day and they talked about a 25% decline in the marketplace by yeah. the end of the year. They're the same bank that at the beginning of COVID said there was going to be a 25% decline. Yeah. We're up 62%. Yeah. So are we going to put a lot of weight in that? The fundamentals of the market haven't changed. Yeah. And I'm repeating this to people all the time. Mm -hmm. There's a half a million home shortage in the Golden Horseshoe. There's a 1.5 million home shortage in Canada. There's a 500,000 population increase annually in Ontario. So what are we panicking about? Yeah. And okay, so if we drop 10%, so what? We're yeah. still up 50, yeah. right? Yeah. So the and construction costs are not going down. Yeah. Land values are not going down. So there is no pressure on pricing to drop. Right. Interest rates are going up, but they're still lower than pre-COVID. Yeah. So, you know, and again, you know, the bankers can tell you all about this, but there's a lot of fear-mongering that's going on, and yeah. these are the times that, as an agent, we need to earn the trust of our yeah. buyers and sellers yeah. and educate them. And I'll tell sellers all the time, look, you either sell right now, yeah. May, June, if you want to really max out where we're at, or shelf the idea for about a year because we're going to go through some rough waters for the next six to nine months. Mm -hmm. So we're not sugarcoating it for them, but I'm setting their expectations weekly. Right. If I had done, done an evaluation back in February and said your house is worth a million, I'm letting them know we might be closer to 920 or 925 right now. Right. I'm letting them know. So don't make decisions and don't go out and buy a house based on what I told you back in February. And we're right. giving them updates. But my social media engagement is very high. Yeah. So I'm setting you know, sending out information regularly and I'm engaging with those people. I'm doing the podcasts, I'm doing the interviews to make sure that 
my buyers and sellers are well informed and they can reach out to me anytime. Yeah. Now are you still doing the videos yourself? You were doing some videos. Yes. Yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing some videos, not as many as I, I, I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but I am still doing the videos yeah. as well. Yeah. Now when you got started, so you start out, um, how how did you get started in terms of growing your business? Like so somebody's out there, they're doing ten deals a year. Pick right. that person, right? right? And they want to turn it up. They want to get to 30, 40, 50. What yes. do you write? Because they need leads. Yes. Like, they're probably great salespeople, yes. right? At least hopefully they are. They yeah. need leads. Yes. What yes. should they do? So, you know, it's it's about scaling down. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to go back to 1988. I was 18 years old. I was a kid. I had no business. I had no sphere. I had nobody to, to turn to to give me business. So I took a subdivision and I just far started farming 300 homes in that subdivision. But I made sure that every three weeks they got a piece of mail from me. That started getting my face out there. I decided very early on that 20% of my income, my gross income, would go back into marketing. Right. Look, you open up a variety store, you open up a clothing store, you've got to go and put money into inventory. So in our business, we need to put money into branding yourself and becoming right. the brand, becoming synonymous with your industry and making sure that when people think real estate, I want them to think my name. Right. And that's so I grew that very, very huge. I was up to 33,000 flyers in every mailbox in, in Cambridge every three weeks up till about seven years ago. Right. At that point, I shifted out of every piece of print media right. and I went strictly into social media. And again, people thought I was nuts. The magazines were giving me free pages because yeah. as soon as I pulled out, other people started pulling out. But I started doing a lot more. 15 years ago, I started getting on the back of buses. Right. Not riding them, actually, yeah. on the back of the bus. <laughs> uh, so I'm on the back of 21 buses. I'm on yeah. billboards. So my marketing budget is high, but it's not even close to 20% of my gross annual yeah. income anymore. Right. It's maybe 7%. Yeah. So I've declined my expenses by using the evolution of social media yeah. and that's you know you've got to continuously evolve right. with what's happening you know it's so funny you say that because we've got benchmarks right in our company so we can look at large teams and individual agents and here's what your here's what your numbers should be here's what your average marketing should be you know and all these sort of things and we always say to grow your business when you're newer you've got to spend 15 to 20 percent marketing right and what's interesting is once your business is scaled up, you can pull that back to 10%. So isn't that funny? The numbers yeah. you just mentioned, and we've never talked about this before, yeah, right are on. almost the exact numbers. Because we've seen, you know, like you're saying 7%. But, you know, 10%, yeah, you gotta, you got to be spending money to market you yourself, right? You but to get started, you know, you got to spend the money up front. Somebody opens up a restaurant. And yes. this is the whole thing about real estate. They sometimes forget they're in their own business, right? Yes. Somebody opens up a restaurant. How do you get people to come in? Market. Market. You got to get out somehow and market yeah. your restaurant. Yeah. You know, maybe you send flyers out to the neighbors, right? We're going to do a two for one, or you get yeah. a free this, or you get a free that to get people in. And then when the people come in, now guess what? Try to get all their information. So now what you can do is put them on an email list. So now they can see your specials every Thursday night. Yeah. So, you know, and then once you get that ramped up and now your email list, you can probably get more business from that and you don't spend as much in marketing. Like, yeah. It's, you know, that's the process of growth, right? And, and I talk about that all the time in my system that, yeah, you know, I, maybe it's a bold statement that everything you've been taught is wrong. But, you know, door knocking, cold yeah. calls, I've never done that. I've never picked up the phone. Yeah. I've never knocked on a door. I've used my passive marketing yeah. to grow my business because I don't want to annoy the yeah. seller. Right. And I spent money. This yeah. is the other thing, you know, oh, you can't spend a lot of money because, you know, I've got to see a paycheck for six months. You're starting up a business. Mm -hmm. Most businesses don't make money for three years. Yeah. 
we're very fortunate in our industry that if you do the right things consistently, yeah. you're going to do very well. Yeah. Never did I imagine someone with a grade 12 education coming out of high school, no formal degree or any of, of that, to be able to achieve the kind of incomes that I've been achieving my entire career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I agree with you. Real estate's a wonderful business. It is. It really is. Okay, so let's get to a few of the questions, and then we'll start to close this out. How many administrators? He has three. Yes. Uh, do you connect weekly with your clients by phone or video? Weekly by email. Weekly by email. Okay, yeah. so weekly by email. Yes. Um, if you started today, would you still do print? Absolutely. So, again, I, I talk about scaling down. You shouldn't try to be absolutely everywhere. Yeah. You know, so I have a population of 135,000 homes in yeah. Cambridge, and I'm in Kitchener-Waterloo as well, but I'm still focused in Cambridge. I've scaled it down that I want to be a household name in those 135,000 right. population. And if I was starting out today, absolutely, I would pick an area of 1,000 homes and make sure that 1,000 homes got a flyer from me every single three weeks, let's say, yep. that the schools, um, if the, I'd be sponsoring events at the schools, I'd have a bus bench there, maybe a bus route in that area. Yep. Um, last year, I drove through all of Cambridge with an ice cream truck giving out free ice cream to everybody. Yep. But, you know, if you can pick an area and start doing things and becoming a community, like community marketing is so important. Yeah. Totally agree. And the thing is, when you start, you're trying to build a database. So then you've got to pick a geographical community to work, right? Yes. And then, of course, as you start getting more names in your database, then you've got another community to market, right? Yes. It's just a different community, right? Yes. And then I like what you said to scale down, uh, you know, because that's what you're talking about. Don't start, like, with 30,000 homes. Find your... Um, we talk about buyers and sellers. Uh, talk about it. Oh, yeah, you said when you hired your first assistant, your income doubled. It did. Right? Absolutely. And we were talking upstairs on the break with some of the panelists. We were talking about that. And you you might have heard or maybe they asked you, but, you know, they go, well, do I really need to hire somebody? And I said, well, Faisal's coming. His income doubled when he hired his, yep. his first assistant, which is great. We talked about listing presentations, bidders, not buyers, and never be closing. Look, I got everything you already brought up without even looking down at my cart. There you go. How good is that? <laughs> there you go.